Hi, my name is Sarah Sauper, and this is my fantasy funeral. Imagine you are dead, but you get to design your own funeral. What songs will be played? Who will deliver your eulogy? And where will your remains rest forevermore? This is the scenario presented to my guest today. I'm Ryan Briegel, and you're listening to my fantasy funeral. My guest today is a candy maker who was raised in a home where sugar was forbidden, so she never dreamed she would one day grow up to be a Willy Wonka-esque purveyor of sweets. But as the creator of the Bang Candy Company, that is exactly what she has become. She grew up in Ireland and at age 25 fell for a songwriter visiting from America. He convinced her to move to Nashville, and although she parted ways with the musician, she fell deeply in love with her new city. Nearly 10 years ago, a chance encounter with a handmade marshmallow at a local restaurant changed her life, and she challenged herself to create her own sugary confection. Was she successful? One friend described my guest's early marshmallow attempts as swallowing God in velvet pants, so I would say yes, quite successful. Having mastered marshmallows, Bang Candy soon developed a line of flavored sugar syrups, then peppermint bark that sparkled then chocolate dream drops, each containing a small dose of CBD. And whatever comes next from the confectionery kitchen, you can bet it will be both whimsical and delicious. In fact, the only limits are my guest's very active imagination. She is Sarah Souther. Hello, Sarah. Welcome to my fantasy funeral. Well, hello to you, and thank you so much for that delightful introduction. You are welcome. Today we are going to kill you off and take a look at the funeral you would plan for yourself. But I wanted to begin by hearing about an app I believe you have come up with that is related to death. Tell Uh me about this. Well, and really I'm looking for people who are going to help me make this app. Not people to steal this marvelous idea, but people to help. So uh, it's called the Death App. And as I think most of us are obsessed with our own mortality, I think it would be a very useful little thing for people to have during their life um, to plan their death while they're alive. So say you're driving along in your car and you hear a song that you really love and you're like, oh, my God, this means so much to me. I want this at my funeral. So you go to your app and you pop it in. And but also on the app, you can plan you know, whether you want to be cremated or buried or, you know, what you want done with you. And it all goes into this sort of document in the sky. And then you can also save for your funeral in there. And uh, you can maybe get a lawyer on there and put your will up and, you know, all the bits. So it's like a very detailed digital version of my fantasy funeral. Yeah, exactly. Which is, yeah, amazing. (laughs) Anyway, it'll be a way to document everything. So when you do pop your clogs, then your family just has to download this document and it's all there. All right there for them. Yeah. Today, we are going to hear the five songs you have chosen to be played during your funeral. You have specified the fantasy setting as your hometown of Tipperary, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a comforting idea that you would end up where you began? Do you like that? Yeah. My family home has been in the family for 300 years, so... It'll probably continue to be in the family for a long time, so I'll probably be safe enough 
being there. Your absolute dream is to have musician friends play a set of songs in your honor. But on the chance that you outlive them all, what is the first <laughs> song you have chosen? So the first um, song I chose was Jimmy's Ferris, The Nest, which is a really groovy kind of uh, hippie-ish song. I think it's 70s. Um, he had a few records. This is by far his very best song on all of them. I checked them all out. So yeah, The Nest. Take me from the nest. The scarlet ships sail sacred oceans Where tides of love have laid to Jimmy Spheris and The Nest from his album Isle of View. Sarah, you were born in Ireland, and your mother is a trained chef from the Cordon Bleu Culinary School, correct? She is indeed. Did you cook a lot with her in the kitchen as a child? Um, yes. I mean, that's pretty much the only training I've ever had is from her. And she is an amazing chef. She did train, but she's also a very natural cook. She wouldn't call herself a chef. She's a cook. Yeah, she's, you know... An instinctual sort of cook, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, balancing out flavors, you know. So um, I learned a lot from her, and it was brilliant. Loved being in the kitchen with her. But when you were a child, your parents kept sweets out, maybe more so than most parents would for children. Yeah, they were so mean. (laughs) Why were they dead set on keeping that away from you? Um, I think, you know, the threat of uh, dental bills, possibly. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, that and you know my mother just thought they weren't very good for us and she may be right I would say so uh, so yeah we were never we were we were allowed sweets on special occasions you know people would come to the house and they'd bring boxes of chocolates or biscuits or you know biscuits meaning cookies um, and she had this special metal cupboard uh, that she would put everything in and then she had a padlock, a chain and a padlock that she would put on it. And it was, you know, because it was this holy grail, we were always just looking into it whenever it was slightly ajar and what's in there. And then we, well, we sort of had this big expedition down to the cupboard in the middle of the night to investigate how we might get in there, um, discovered we could take the hinges off. So we'd take the hinges off at night, get in there, you know, open the boxes from the bottom and nibble away at things and put them all back. And we eventually got caught, blamed our father, who had a major sweet tooth. That was always fun. Yeah, it was always a thing. (laughs) We thought raisins were treats. 
Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is a strange upbringing. <laughs> Sarah, when you were in your mid-20s in Ireland, you met a Nashville musician, I uh-huh. believe, uh-huh. visiting Ireland. He convinced you to move to Nashville with him. Yeah, well, I mean, I do, I do want to say that wasn't his plan. His plan was not to convince me. Okay. I don't think. No, we met. We fell madly in love. He complimented my socks. I was like, this guy's amazing. Uh, he was just there, like, writing for a little bit. And and he came back and asked me to marry him. And, um, yeah, I said yes. And it was all a big whirlwind. And we were going to live in Ireland. But... Um, after a moment of my parents sort of scratching their heads and going, what the hell is going on here? I was like, you know what? If you want to go back to Nashville, I mean, that's totally cool with me. So I up sticks um, and came here. And how long had you been in Nashville before, I assume, the relationship ended? Five years. Yeah. So was there any ever a question of should I now go back to Ireland or by that time had Nashville become pretty much your home? Yeah, it had. I got divorced. That was, you know, as icky as divorces can be, although not as icky as most. We're still very good friends and we left on good terms. I did have some very good friends here. I'd been here for five years. So I was 25 when I moved here. So 30 ish when I got divorced. My daughter was in school here, so she had friends and all the rest, so I stayed. And I think enough. staying here, you've, you've made a good decision. I think so, me. too. I love it here. I love it here so much. I wonder if your second song choice is one that maybe you loved as a teenager in Ireland, I might guess. Tell me about this song. Well, I loved Kate Bush as a kid. And the very first uh, costume party I went to was for a friend of mine. It was her birthday. I think she was maybe seven or eight. And she had a costume party for her birthday. And she went as uh, Madonna in the Like a Virgin outfit. (laughs) And um, (laughs) very innocent indeed. And uh, I was like, oh, who am I going to be? And who am I going to be? And my mother was like, why don't you be Kate Bush? And I was like, yeah, cool. As all mothers <laughs> should suggest. That's very nice. <laughs> so it was great. She did all the 80s makeup and the big hair and whatever. And um, yeah, it was cool. I love Kate Bush. I'm such a huge fan. I've always been. And I just, I love this song. It's such a, a pretty, beautiful, groovy song. But every time.
Kate Bush and Cloud Busting from her album Hounds of Love. Sarah, it was the summer of 2010, and you were out with a friend on Belmont Boulevard at one of Arnold Mint's restaurants, which is sadly no longer around. And what you ate that evening steered your life onto a very delicious path. What did you order to eat that night? I was out with my friend Nina Miller, who has been one of my best friends since I moved here, probably maybe the first person I met. We went to Cha Cha and we like to drink wine together. So we ordered a bottle of wine and then we ordered another bottle of wine. We still hadn't ordered any food. And then at that point we were like, fuck the food, let's have dessert. So we uh, looked at all the desserts and there was this thing on there. Um, It was hot chocolate and marshmallows. And I don't know why. We'd had a lot of wine. What can I say? But it was served. It was like that really beautiful, thick kind of Spanish hot chocolate. Mm. Um, And it was served in a little teapot and these beautiful little teacups and these little cookies. I remember it so well. I can Mm. remember the... The the taste, the sensation, the whole thing. Anyway, it had these beautiful little toasted vanilla marshmallows that were handmade. And what can I say? It blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. I was like, oh, my God, this is the most amazing thing I've ever tasted in my life. So we ate that, drank that, whatever, scoffed it down, and then uh, finished the rest of the wine. And I went home and I was like, oh, I wonder how you make a marshmallow. And I did a lot of Googling online and started getting to it with a bit of a buzz on and uh, found some I'm not I was never really a vanilla type of person so I thought ah, what have I got in there and um, there was some rose water and some cardamom and I was like oh this could be really nice together and I made these rose cardamom marshmallows and they were delish I couldn't believe it so um, a friend of ours was having a, a dinner party the next day or whatever And Nina came to pick me up and she was like, okay, what are you bringing to the, we all had to bring something. What are you bringing to the dinner party? And I was like, oh, I didn't have anything. So I thought I'd bring these marshmallows. And she was like, oh, Jesus, you have really (laughs) let yourself go. You're bringing marshmallows. This is ridiculous. Anyway, I brought them. They're a massive hit. Everybody loved them. The rest is history. Before that evening, when you first had the marshmallow at Cha Cha, what were your thoughts on them in general? Did you ever know that they could be elevated above the boring puffs that we buy in plastic bags at the grocery? Uh, no, I had no idea. I'd, I'd never seen a handmade one. And, you know, I'm I'm a person, I make things all the time, all sorts of things. I love making things. It doesn't have to be food. So I'm always thinking about how things are made and what they are and what they're made of. And uh, no. The marshmallow had never sort of come across that scrutiny. So, um, yeah, it blew my mind. And I also find it interesting, and I wonder what life experiences you'd had up to this point that somehow you had in your cupboard rose water and cardamom. Right. So you must have been used to, perhaps instilled by your mother, like mixing ingredients, experimenting a little bit, because most people probably would not have rose water or cardamom. Just would on they hand. Not? Would they not? Uh, you don't I, have I could that in be your cupboard? I, I have neither. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh. Yeah, I do have all sorts of strange things in my cupboards because I experiment. I, I am able to read and I am just about able to follow a recipe, but I rarely do. And mm. even if I am following a recipe, I feel like I'm cheating if I'm following it. So I have to go off course and do something a little bit different. Okay. And the results are not always good. But at least it's an adventure. 
We are going to get a bit more lively with your third song choice. Tell me about this song. Billy Ocean's Caribbean Queen is one of my all-time favorite songs. I know it's kind of cheesy, but it always gets me up out of my seat, gets me dancing. I love it. I have a jukebox at home. I have this song on it. Whenever people come over for dinner, eventually jukebox gets up and going and this song gets on and everybody starts dancing. Yeah, I just love it. And I've heard people slander Billy Ocean, but... um, I think he's awesome, and I love this song. And uh, I wish I could wear painted on jeans. Billy Ocean and Caribbean Queen from his album, Suddenly. Sarah, you were at the point where you had developed a lot of delicious products, but you had to have a way to get them to the people. And I love your appreciation for a culinary pun. You carried the bang candy around in what you called a coca van. Yes, that's correct. Pretty brilliant. Thank you. But then in 2012, you moved into the space you are in now in Marathon Village, What were your feelings at that time about moving into this space that was permanent? Did you feel you were long overdue or was it also frightening? Well, so I had a friend. I have a friend, still a friend and a neighbor, Mike Wolf, um, who has antique archaeology. And he and I would meet for breakfast every so often at Fido. And we we met for breakfast and he was like, I'm opening a store. And I was like, wow, really? Where? And he goes, in Marathon Village. And I was like, oh, I've never heard of it. He goes, it's amazing. It's an amazing spot. You would love it. You should open up there. And I was like, I can't open a store. I have no interest in opening a store. Um, you know. And he was like, well, you should come down and have a look at it anyway. It's such a cool building. Da, 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 da. So I went down there with him and immediately fell in love with the building. It was absolutely beautiful. And there was no other retail there at the time. Um, and the owner of the building, Barry Walker, um, was a really cool maverick kind of a nut job, which I, I like those sorts Mm -hmm. of people. (laughs) So I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? I'll do it. So I, I did it crazily enough and it's been great. It's been really good. I'm glad like the cocoa van was great, but it was really hot in the summer. It was really cold in the winter, Mm. but yeah, it was good. When you're coming up with new products, I would imagine there is a balance that needs to be reached. You don't want flavors that are too obvious and and everywhere, but you also maybe don't want to try anything too outrageous that people will be afraid to try. I wonder if your sense of knowing when a flavor combination is just right has gotten keener over the years. 
Well, when I began, I was all about doing things that were off the wall. and But I learned pretty quickly that my customers were not interested in that. So in the shop at the beginning, anyway, we would do a mallow of the month. Mm. So we do something new every month. We'd have our normal ones and then we do a new one and test it out. Lots of weird shit and <laughs> figured out what people thought of it. It's pretty clear that design is important to you. Overall, the packaging design for Bank Candy is very striking. I wanted to talk about, first, the gun imagery, uh-huh. which I've read, I think, has been slightly controversial, perhaps, uh-huh. but they are pink guns, and it's called Bang Candy, so it, it makes entire sense to me. Thank you. What is it about gun imagery that interests you? Well, so before I started Bang Candy, um, I've done a million things, but one of the things that I was doing before I started the business uh, was painting silk, and I would make things out of it, garments or scenery. I did a lot of scenery for the ballet and costume stuff, and I started making dresses and things, and I would just put guns on them, just paint them onto the silk in like pretty vibrant colors. And I just thought they were kind of interesting sculptural things. I've been held up at gunpoint a few times in my life. And um, I guess possibly it was a way of making them seem not so scary or, you know, breaking them down into a 2D kind of pointless thing. So, yeah, so Bang Candy. So when I was coming up with the name, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I was with a friend and he was like, what about Dang Candy? And I was like, oh, that sounds good. I kind of like that. But and then I was looking at one of the scarves that, with a gun on it. I was like, oh, what about Bang Candy? Is that crazy? Is Bang Candy ridiculous? And I was like, oh, no, I like it. I like it. And that was before you even d- discovered the popping candies. So Way that's, before that's, the popping candy. quite a strange coincidence. Yeah. That's very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like guns. I don't have a gun. I don't really want a gun. They do exist. I mean, they are out there. So they do exist. You're, yes. and You're not and promoting the sale of guns. No. Just with an image. Yeah, just, just candy. Pink guns on candy. That's it. Sarah, tell me about the fourth song you've chosen for your fantasy funeral. So, uh, Rene Aubrey, Set Guitar. Um, this is a song that I just heard... I'm a big fan of WXNA, um, and I'm a big fan. There's a particular show that's on on Wednesday evenings or Wednesday afternoons at four o'clock. It's called Musical Mysticism, and it's just awesome. It's only an hour long, which is real bummer because I often miss half of it. But I heard this song on there, and I did the old Shazam thing and um, downloaded his whole album, and I just think it is so beautiful. And jolly, jolly and beautiful at the same time, which is kind of really the vibe of all of these songs. Rene Aubrey and set guitars from his album In Vie sur la Terre. Sarah, we move now from candy to clowns. Tell me about your love for dressing up in clown attire. 
So I have an alter ego called Candy Clan. And uh, she comes out now and again to, you know, just uh, jog around the world. She likes to go to the airport and pick up people, usually friends or friends of friends who aren't expecting to be picked up by a clown. And being a clown in the world where people aren't expecting to see one is an amazingly wonderful thing to do. Because people are, some people love them, some people are terrified of them. Most people are bemused, amused, all of the things. It's uh, it's just great. It's a great way to experience the world for an afternoon. What led to the first time that you put on this clown costume? Um, so I have a daughter who's 21. Her name is Anya. When she was 15, 14 or 15, she she's a dancer. And she went to a ballet school in Connecticut. And, you know, at that time, 14, 15, they get very... Um, embarrassed shall we say of their parents and they just don't want you to be around anywhere or do anything or say anything and anything you say it's like oh be quiet mommy I had to pick her up from the airport and I thought it would be funny to dress up as a clown (laughs) so so I started doing it every time I picked her up from the airport when she came back for a break and uh she was thoroughly embarrassed uh, which it you know made me do it even more And then I was meeting her in San Francisco. It was Halloween. She was going for an audition there. And she was bringing a little friend of hers as well. And uh, I was like, well, it's Halloween. We have to dress up. I'll see you at the airport. So I met her at the airport in San Francisco. And I leapt out from behind a pillar dressed as Candy Clown. It was awesome. She was like, oh, my God, mommy, you are terrible. But yeah, it's just a lot of fun. So that's how it began. And certainly she has come to expect this by now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's come to expect it. But I never like candy to pop out when expected. It's better when she's not expected. Sarah, before we hear your final song choice, have you thought about the person you would choose to deliver your eulogy? Yes, I have. So I was thinking about the whole eulogy thing. And I really, I haven't been to that many funerals in my life. But the ones I have been to... It's all been pretty normal and, you know, people get up there and they say very heartfelt things and there's weeping and da 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 da, which inevitably I expect a lot of weeping at my funeral. But I also would like there to be a lot of laughing and a lot of ridiculousness and hilarity. So I have a very good friend, Katie Fischel, who is a budding comedian and she... um, she's going to roast me and she knows all my deep mm. dark secrets so uh, I spoke to her about this the other day um, I just texted her and I was like hey would you roast me at my funeral and she was like absolutely when do you need a draft so she's like ready to go <laughs> hopefully we don't need it that soon mm. but, yeah. it's a long time to work on that Yeah, and I believe you may have other people speak, perhaps. There are some inspirational quotes you were fond of. Uh-huh. Well, I I love Joseph Campbell. I think he's got a ton of wisdom. And uh, so I, uh, I really liked these two little quotes. Um, the privilege of a lifetime is being who you are. I feel a lot of people in the world are um, maybe trying to be somebody else um, or just trying to hit benchmarks that they've other people have told them they should and um nobody i don't think nobody anybody is truly happy until they're just themselves 
And then the other one, which is kind of along the same lines, uh, follow your bliss and don't be afraid and doors will open where you didn't know they were going to be. Sarah, we've come to your fifth and final funeral song. Tell me why you've chosen this song. I heard, I only heard it recently and I just totally fell in love with this record and I listened to it over and over again. The beauty of making candy is you're on your own <laughs> with a lot of time. And so you listen, I listen to things over and over and over again and really get into them. And this song is just so um, ethereal and beautiful. And I hope it will be a big tearjerker at my funeral. Julie Cruz and Mysteries of Love from her album Floating Into the Night, Sarah Souther's final fantasy song choice. Sarah, have you thought about what you would like to happen to your body after you die? I think that I would like it cremated. I have always had this fear of um, being buried alive, and I know that's a really ridiculous fear. But I think it happened in a film once when I was little and I was like, oh, my God, what if I'm in a trance and then I'm in a coffin and I have to scratch my way out and I can't and then I die. Anyway, so I think I'd like to be cremated. And then I would like my ashes mixed into clay and made into a set of dinnerware um, by my friend um, Ash Atterbury, who is a wonderful ceramicist. And I think this would be great. So the, the dishes can be at Liz McHugh, where my family are from, and uh, they can all eat off them. And then if anyone should ever break one, the guilt would be tremendous. <laughs> um. I would say so. And this is the house your family has had in, in their um, yeah. possession for many years. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's a family home. This is a very practical solution. It's and practical. And they would get to see you again and again yeah. for delicious meals. yeah. I think like, it's very lovely. Hopefully they won't clang their knives and forks off me <laughs> be too much. Be very gentle, gentle with yeah. you. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be a daily set or a, 
you know, just a special occasion. Fine, fine dining. You think it'd be fine dining yes. only? Yeah. Okay, big dining room setting. Can see it now. Fab. This has been such a treat, Sarah Souther. Thank you for taking us through your fantasy funeral. Well, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to die before I've died. My Fantasy Funeral is brought to you by We Own This Town. Full versions of the songs chosen today can be heard on our Spotify playlist. Find out more at myfantasyfuneral.show. I'm Ryan Briegel. Thank you for listening.